Hello and welcome to the Learning to See podcast. I'm Jen Allward, your host, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Sue Nelson, who combined her love of art and desire to live out God's word in her own life to found women of noble character. She has so many fantastic resources to offer us, including the perspective of an adopted child, cancer warrior, and brewer of delicious coffee that supports a homeless ministry. But today, we'll focus on Bible journaling and how it helps us meditate on God's Word, which brings us hope, peace, and healing in a troubled world. Look in the show notes below for some fun links, including an invitation to a free Advent course inspired by the book I wrote last year, A Refocused Advent, designed to help you see the journey to Christmas from different perspectives and calm your frazzled heart. To get access to all the bonus content like videos, downloads, inspiring and helpful links, and reflection questions, etc., hop on over to Patreon to check out the different membership opportunities available at Learning to See Studio. Okay, are you ready? Let's jump on in and learn to see how Bible journaling can bring God's Word alive. Welcome, Sue. I'm so glad you could make it today. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was just cruising again through your website and totally impressed by all the different things that you do. And so for those who don't know you, could you give a little introduction, like where you're from, what you're doing? Sure. I'm originally from New Jersey, but transplanted to Missouri about 14 years ago. So I'm near the Kansas City area. I'm married. We have a blended family of four grown children and four grandchildren. And I kind of started out in the art world. I taught online art journaling classes for years, had a subscription uh, box, lots of different classes in art journaling. And then when I remarried, just found that I was seeking resources on how it is to be a woman of noble character in today's world. Because, you know, we certainly don't make our own clothing. Well, some people do, but we're not grinding our own wheat to make flour. We go to the food store, use Instacart. So how does that apply today? And that kind of evolved into branching out into Bible study and prayer, but also Bible journaling and creative worship. So I have a number of posts on my website on different techniques and about Bible journaling. And I have a course on Bible art journaling. But I find that Bible journaling is not only an individual form of worship, but it is meditative as well. And really, as in all art, it's therapy and can really help you become more grounded and focus on something other than the outside stressors. So that's who I am and what I do. And I can, of course, forget my two rotten cats and my one very spoiled and currently snoring dog in the background. Awesome. Because that was one thing I wanted to ask you. You said you had a bad habit of collecting and rescuing animals. Yes. Well, we are down, sadly, from four dogs and five cats. But two of the cats and one of the dogs went to live with my sons. So... The others unfortunately passed, but we're still here with two rotten cats and a spoiled dog. It's nice that you can give them to another home as well and not just have to say goodbye <laughs> forever. That's so hard when they go. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you part... rescue them from like a humane society or a rescue organization um, side of the road? <laughs> one of our cats was abandoned by her mother at our old house. She was the runt of the litter. Our snoring dog, we lived out in the country, and the farmer witnessed some man throw him out of his pickup truck. But the other ones we had rescued through shelters. 
And now I'm not allowed to go to shelters. No volunteering <laughs> pursue at the shelters. It's it's good to know where we need to put our own limits in, right? Well, he puts them for me. You know, they're for your own good. So you can That is true. They're my guardrails. Your guardrails. Yeah, that's good. And then you also mentioned you might be a little bit addicted to coffee. Do you have a special brand or way of drinking it? My husband and I actually own a coffee company called Bean So Blessed. But the sole function of it is not to make a profit. Every bit of the profits goes to God's Army, which is a ministry in St. Louis that supports the homeless, gets them services they need. And right now they are fundraising, not only for the winter for coats and blankets, but Mm -hmm. also to purchase a mobile shower to allow them to have some dignity when they're out on the streets. So being so blessed supports their ministry. Oh my goodness, that's cool. I will definitely put that link in the write-up. So being so blessed. So in addition to books, blogs, Bible studies, courses, printables, (laughs) other resources, you've got the coffee company. In addition to adapting animals, you yourself were also adopted, weren't you? Yes, I was adopted as an infant. Never knew my birth family. Before my adoptive mother passed away, she wanted me to find my birth parents so she could thank them. I tried and she refused contact. Well, This spring, through Ancestry.com and a search angel, all the pieces were put together, and I met the families of my birth mother and father. Now, they both since passed my parents, but I have five younger brothers and sisters, and my father's family has embraced me, and we're looking forward to meeting up later this fall for the first time. Wow, that's big stuff. It is. Any tips for other people out there who are adoptive parents or adoptees themselves? For a long time, I had to get over the fact that I felt rejected. But when you're older, you realize that that's not the case at all. It's life circumstances that lead someone to make that decision. If you have it on your heart as an adoptee or as a birth parent who's given up a child, there are tons of resources out there that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. There's a Facebook group called DNA Detectives, and they will help you put the pieces together and use other tools to match up the DNA. And sometimes there are beautiful stories that come out of it, and sometimes there's hopes dashed. But if it's something that's on your heart, then certainly use the resources available to you because you just never know what you're going to find and it could change your life. Yeah, I would imagine it could be a really scary venture to try to find people who maybe don't want to be found. Well, in my case, both my parents were gone. My mother never shared that she gave up a child. So her family was a little more resistant to contact, understandably so. My birth father, his family, they were instrumental in putting the pieces together and identifying that he was my father. And once we all realized that, yeah, this is true and that the data matches up, then we all kind of tiptoed around it and we all texted first, then then spoke on the phone. You know, at growing up an only child, you know, now having siblings and I'm the oldest, it's a little bit crazy. So when I say my sister, who I've never met, it's still a little awkward coming out of my mouth. Sure. I'm curious. Did you know from a young age that you were adopted? I've always known. My parents had a storybook that they read to me from a very young age. So I knew and they shared the story of the night they picked me up and my mother was so nervous. She put two diapers on me and the suit my dad wore still had pink baby fuzz on it because he didn't want to get it dry cleaned. To the day he died just about seven years ago, he never did wear that suit again. (laughs) 
Oh uh, my goodness. Still had the pink baby fuzz on it. So I've always known it was a burning issue for me for a long time. And then I kind of let it go about seeking my birth parents. But I think my own illness, my own stage four cancer diagnosis had made me really just want to try it before I didn't have the opportunity anymore. Yeah. So. Talk about life-changing circumstances. Yeah. Absolutely. That'll reprioritize things quickly and give you courage to do things that you hadn't before. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the other question I had around the adoption, and then I know we have art things that you wanted to share with <laughs> us today as well, but do you think it maybe like affects how you view God? You know, like they talk about salvation and how we're adopted into God's family. Do you think you have a different perspective on that? You know, I actually thought about that question a few years ago regarding a sermon that our pastor had shared about being adopted in or and his co-heirs of, with Christ. And I thought about how when I was adopted, nobody knew that I wasn't an original child. <laughs> you know, I wasn't from them. They loved me like no other. And they, no matter how rotten I was as a child or all, anything I got into, they didn't stop loving me. They gave me the love and the grace, just like God gives us love and grace, no matter how many times we mess up, he'll never stop loving us. And so in that way, it really made me think that when they say adopted child of God, it is in very uh, many ways, just like being adopted as an infant human to adoptive parents. That's cool. I wasn't treated differently than if I were born unto them. And just as, you know, God created all of us as a believer, we become adopted by him. He is our heavenly father. We are the daughter of the king. And we become his, not just like an auxiliary part of the family. Yes, absolutely. Really, really part of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything else that you'd like to tell people before we jump uh. into well, as I mentioned, I do have a stage four cancer diagnosis. I am in between treatments right now, but we're hoping that this next type of treatment that I'm going for is going to make it go away again. Uh, but in between, my husband and I love to travel. We usually go on two cruises a year, but this coming year, we're only going on one because our other trip will be to the Holy Land. That's exciting. Um, yes, we actually have a group going. It's open. If anyone wants the information, they can just email me and I'll put them in touch with my husband who's planning the trip. We'll be going to the garden. We'll be going to Jesus's tomb, walking down the Via Della Rosa, going to the Sea of Galilee. We'll have the opportunity to be, to be baptized where Jesus was. Oh, super fun. One other kind of like transition sort of question here. You mentioned you did art journaling classes for a long time, and now you also do Bible journaling classes. Mm -hmm. Could you maybe tell people what you consider to be the differences between those two? Yeah. And when I get into the demonstration, I was going to share that what I'm doing in a Bible for journaling can also be done in an art journal. So you can use many of the same techniques, all of the same techniques, really. The main difference is that you're journaling either your thoughts and prayers to God, or your journaling to meditate on a verse or verses. I have several Bibles that I use for Bible journaling only. And the difference between a Bible journaling Bible and a so-called regular Bible is that a Bible journaling Bible has wide margins and it allows you to create in the margins. Oh, so you're not covering up the words. No, you can if you want to. If I want to put color along the whole page, I tend to use a light watercolor so you can still read through the text. Read through we'll text. be using a different type of Bible today that is a little bigger 
and it's spiral. So it lays flat, making it a little bit easier to work with. Someone yes. gave me a Bible for Christmas a year or two ago, and it had a blank page between every page. It's it sick. It's definitely like a keep it home on the desk kind of book. But I thought that was really cool. And I, I'll put a link in the write up, but it was you know one of those big names of Bible history people. Mm -hmm. I think he did that because he wrote notes right, on everything. And he, he right. put slips of paper between every page for his notes. I, I do that too in my regular Bible that I bring to church every week. Yeah. But I, at last count, have not including study guides or Bible history, I have 15 Bibles and just different translations, different types of study Bibles. So those aren't ones that I will Bible journal in. If I'm really focusing on a verse, meditating on a verse or doing verse mapping, which is something I also teach to my readers, then I would use one of the journaling Bibles. <laughs> Do you have a favorite translation? I have been ESV for quite some time, but I'm finding that I'm really enjoying the NASB version lately. The NIV version I had used for years, particularly when I was newly saved, but I didn't realize that some of the translations were a little bit off. And there are actually a couple of verses that don't show in other translations. So um, on the advice of a pastor friend, I switched over to ESV. So I go between that. I love the New King James Version as well. Kind of what I do, I will take a look at the same verse in multiple translations, read the study guides in those Bibles, and even the Hebrew Greek Dictionary to try to get more and understand why they might have translated this one word in this way in this translation versus this way in this translation so yeah it's it's super deep i i don't know hebrew or greek but i have enjoyed listening to people talk about how yeah. one word could be interpreted differently and why they used it in this version this way like what paul was trying right. to say in the specific way he used you or whatever right exactly exactly just to back up a smidgen with Bible journey, with, with writing notes in your Bible, with putting color in your Bible, with sometimes putting something over the writing and you may or may not be able to see through it. For those who might really not think that's quite okay, any words of why that might be a really valid way of digging into your Bible? Well, as I said, for Bible journaling, I use a specific journaling Bible. So I'm not covering up in any of my study Bibles or so-called regular Bibles, my everyday reading and research Bibles. I understand not wanting to cover God's word. And I rarely do that. But if I do, I'm going to watercolor very lightly over that section, or I'll highlight the verse that I'm focusing on and do something lighter around it so that we're not covering up God's word, but we're simply illuminating the particular verse that we wanted to focus on. Yeah. So. I've heard some people get a little upset. They're like, we're not supposed to add to God's word. I'm like, oh, but we're not. Okay, technically we're not we're adding. Color, but we're not adding to his word. We're trying to help it sink in deeper. Exactly. And that's yeah. why using a journaling Bible works because you don't have to touch the text at all. You can simply journal your notes or yeah. your illustrations or any other way that you choose to decorate it in the wide margin. And it yeah. gives you a lot of space without having to touch the passages, the scripture itself, yeah. if you're uncomfortable about that. There's so many ways to connect with God, aren't there? Absolutely. Yes. Each one is so individual. And that's the one thing I tell everybody all the time. They're afraid of Bible journal. They want to try, but they're afraid of it looking terrible or I can't draw. Mm -hmm. or, my hand lettering is terrible. Well, guess what? So is mine. 
but it's not an art contest. Your Bible journaling is your personal worship time with God. You use that time meditating as you're painting or putting stickers on, as you're rereading the verse, as you're highlighting the verse, you're repeating the verse to yourself. And it is a special time between you and God in a different form of worship than perhaps singing or any other way that we might worship him. Well, that's awesome. That's a great segue into art. You said you pre-gessoed the page. I did. Was um, that with a clear gesso? Yes. Now, what I would recommend, most Bibles, even journaling Bibles, the pages are fairly thin because the Bible is a big book. They can't make the pages too thick or we would have volumes like this. So for Bible journaling, I recommend using clear gesso. You can get this at any arts and crafts store, Hobby Lobby, Michaels. And I use just a wide, cheap brush. Just squirt a little on your page and completely cover it and let it dry. Now, if you are not patient when it comes to waiting for things to dry, like I am, I use a heat gun. And this heat gun is probably 20 years old and I still use the same thing. You can see all the paint and everything on it. But I pre-gessoed this yesterday so that we could dive right Right in to the technique. And for the technique, you really just need a couple of things. Some set of watercolor paints, the cheap ones from Walmart will work just fine. If you'd like a little fancier ones, I'm using this little tin from Prima. This is the pastel set and these little cubes are the paint. And this one I just got a refill of, but they're they look like little chocolates and you unwrap them, but they're very deep with the paint and it'll last a long time with the water. You need either a paintbrush or I prefer to use an aqua brush or a water brush. You fill the barrel with water. It has the brush on the end and it allows you when you're watercoloring, not have to put your paintbrush in the water, then put it on your paint and clean it off. The other thing you'll need is some type of salt. I like to use either kosher salt or sea salt because they're chunkier and you'll see a more pronounced texture, but you can also use table salt. I've shared a page, another page I did with the same technique and in different layers of the watercolor, I used kosher salt, sea salt, and table salt. And you can see the different textures throughout the watercolor. So today we're using sea salt. And we're doing a page that is super simple. If you're just starting out, you don't have to be a great artist to do this. We're going to focus on Isaiah chapter 2, the vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains, and it will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it, and many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. So we are going to start. I'll tell you what I'm doing first, but it's a very quick technique. The salt gives texture within the paint. So this is called the watercolor salt technique. I'm going to just pick up some brown paint and I'm going to draw a very simple rudimentary mountain range. You can draw a triangle. You're great. And as soon as I paint it while it's wet, I'm going to sprinkle the sea salt on it. Then we will dry it. And then you'll simply, with a clean brush or your hand, brush off the excess salt. And you'll see the different textures within the mountains. This also works great for water. If you are doing a page that has water in it, because you'll see different effects in the water. What a great thing to like experiment with and just enjoy the process of making art of how much pigment, how much water, how much salt. Exactly. You can just experiment and, and you can throw the thing away. You could doodle on top of it. Yes. For future collage paper, just to take the Absolutely. pressure off. 
So yeah. you can try it on art journaling paper or, or art journaling journals or watercolor paper. When I first started to play with this technique, I took a big piece of watercolor paper and I drew lines, divided it into four sections and tried it with four different types of salt with the same color to see how it would look, how it would come out. And it was really cool to see that. Fun. Uh, so yeah, definitely play around and see what you like. I'm going to just squeeze my aqua brush a little bit and pick up some brown paint. And as I said, we're going to go very rudimentary here. We're not going to try to rival Monet. <laughs> and I'm just gonna start with the outline here and then I'll fill in. And I wouldn't advise that you do too much ahead of time, like paint all of the mountains in at once as it will dry and the salt won't stick. So we're going to focus on this one here. I'm going to try to work fast. Later on, if I wanted to add any details when this dries, I can do so with a pen or a marker. I can finish the page by doing a sky, sun, clouds, and I'm having to work really fast. This is drying super quick. So I'm going to add just a little bit of extra water here. And again, uh, we could go back and fill this in with additional color if we'd like but I just want to get the wetness on there. Now we'll sprinkle our salt on there. If you look at the salt, and I don't know if you can see it at this um, distance, but you'll see that the salt starts turning the color of the paint because it's absorbing the paint. So those are the spots that you're really going to see the difference in texture. One other tip, if you are using a heat gun, don't hold it very close to the page. One, it could burn your page uh, or wrinkle your page. And two, it'll blow all of your salt off, which we don't quite want that at this point yet. Yes, good tips on the heat gun. And a heat gun, for those watching or listening, it dries it really differently than a hairdryer. Yes, it does. And it is very hot. It can get hot, but it is more of a diffused heat rather than a direct heat that you would get from a blow dryer. And now I'm just going to, some of this is really stuck on here. And that's okay. You're not going to hurt anything. You can even use your hand to rub it off if it gets stuck. You can really see the salt now, how it absorbed that color. You can. And I'm going to take my water brush and I'm going to just uh, paint a section of this other mountain without the salt. So you can see the difference in the textures. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to finish this page, um, but just to show you this technique, as I said before, you might want to use washi tape around the verse down here that we focused on to highlight it. Or you may want to just use a highlighter. You may want to write it above the mountains. Okay. So you can see the texture in the mountain. Yeah. And the same color paint, no texture. So here you see where the paint was absorbed by the salt, and you can see perhaps hilly mountains or uh, just rugged terrain. So there's lots of different ways you can use this technique. And as you see, it's super simple, yeah. but when you try different types of salt, you get different effects and it's just lots of fun and meditative. I'll finish this page up and somehow highlight the verse as in some examples that I've of mine that I think Jen will share with you. Sometimes I'd take a piece of vellum and even use the printer, print mm. the verse on the vellum and then layer it over the page. You'll still be able to see the text, but you'll see the highlighted verse as well. Oh, that's great. I have a Bible journaling course coming out. I am hoping to get it completed in terms of filming by early November. That's my goal. And then, of course, editing and putting it all 
you know, all the resources pages, which I started to do. But the first part is Bible journaling 101 and it's free. And we'll go over some basic techniques and what is Bible journaling and easy ways to do it. Then there'll be a 201 and a 301. Awesome that you got a course coming out right now too. Yeah, it's been in the making for a while. I expected to do it earlier this year, but then I had a recurrence. But um, you mentioned about the Hebrew. Have you heard of Arts Box? It's no. a quarterly subscription box from, they focus on a different region of Israel and you get handmade artisan gifts and foods and things. Well, I've worked very closely with them for the past few years and I teach a class with them every other week. We focus on a new Hebrew letter, words that start with that Hebrew letter and they're almost always biblical words. And then we do a Bible study and we That's do it every cool. other week for an hour. They take the audio and it's on Spotify as a podcast. But then anybody who's part of the class, and a lot of people can't make it because it's during the day, I send an email with all the resources and a replay of the class. And then there's a Google Drive so people can go back and re-listen or re-watch or practice and there's worksheets. So, you know, it's one of those things if you have an extra few minutes and you want to learn a Hebrew word or start learning the letters, it's been a lot of fun to do it with them. I primarily teach the class, but they will coach us on pronunciation because those guttural sounds are a little tough to make. Right? We're not used to that. (laughs) No. And then could you explain what verse mapping is for people? Yeah. Yeah. People do it in different ways. I have a method that I use and I teach and I have free worksheets on my website for people to do it. So it lays it out for you, but you take a verse that you really want to dig into and you write it down in the version, the translation that you currently use mostly. And Mm -hmm. then you look it up in a few other translations as well. Then you can circle different words that stick out to you, perhaps words that are translated differently in different translations and either using any number of online tools such as Bible Gateway, Bible Hub, or if you have a Greek Hebrew Bible dictionary, you can look up and see what the word means. And I also have a Hebrew English Bible, so it'll be written in Hebrew and right next to it, the same verse in English. But like, for example, the word chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, it means a number of things. It means loving kindness. It means compassion. So you'll see different versions show it different ways, and you can glean a lot from diving in. The other thing that we do in verse mapping is we look at the who, what, when, where, and why. Who wrote the verse? Why did they write it? So if we're talking Paul, was he writing to the church at Ephesus? Was he chastising them? Was he encouraging them? Was he teaching them something that they needed in order to strengthen their local church? When did he write it? Did he write it two years after Jesus's crucifixion? Did he write it on his second missionary tour? Where was he? Was it a time that he was in jail? So you look into it and you learn more about what was happening in the world, in biblical history, and it helps you gain more insight. Yeah, really putting it in context, because that helps you then translate and hear it more accurately for what God's trying to tell you now. Absolutely. So, you know, even though you look up the different translations, once you dive into the who, what, when, where, why, then you look back at those verses and your eyes are opened. You're, wow, now I really understand why he said that. And to me, just bring scripture so much closer. And by writing and rewriting the verse in different translations, it helps you to write it in your heart and memorize scripture. Yeah. Which is always 
a blessing. That's, that's one of the big benefits for me when I have done the Bible journaling. I have tried all sorts of ways of memorizing and I can like say it for the time that they needed, like for Awana, we'd memorize it and we'd spit it out and we'd get our little reward money. And you'd ask me the next day and it's gone. I don't know where it went, um, but when I put an image to it, I may not know exactly where in the Bible is, but the message of that verse is what stays with me. Absolutely. I'm a very visual learner too. And I think that between that and my love of art and creative pursuits just helps it stick. So, you know, when I think about this verse about the Lord on the mountaintop, I think about how much time I spent rereading this verse and I think about it and I can recall it much easier, maybe not word for word, but the overall message, the heart of it, the heart of it. Yes. Well, I so appreciate your time today. Any last words? And do you have a favorite verse? Yeah, I have two that I have taped up to my wall right here, which I'll share. But um, I think as far as any tips, if it, Bible journaling or art journaling with Bible verses is something that you always think you're not good enough or you're not artistic, I say that's hogwash. And that you can even use stickers. You can use anything you want. And even if it is stick figures that you're drawing, if you choose to draw, that is your time between you and God. That is your worship time. And it doesn't matter. You're not entering an art contest. It is you pouring your heart out to God through a creative way. And as far as my favorite verses, one that I've been clinging to a lot lately is from Isaiah 43 two. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That's good. It's a good word. It's a good word. No matter whether you're dealing with just a rough day and a stub toe or whether you're dealing with life-altering news, that's scripture to cling to. And It sure is. Promise of God to remember. And when the news gets too much on TV, turn that off yeah. and read that verse. Absolutely. And that is exactly why it is taped to the wall on top of my laptop. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Sue. It was really a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to sending people the links and introducing them to you some more. Wonderful. And I will do the same. And it was so nice to chat with you today. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Have Thank a great you. day. You God too. Bless. Make sure you check out the show notes today for some really fun links. 